Stick around, folks. We've got a really fun guest that's going to be surprise guest is going to be sitting in this chair right here <laughs> um, in person. And uh, Corbin, I'd say it's time for the show. Yeah, let's get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Moving Spotlight Podcast. My name is John Ruby, and I'm here with my main man, Corbin Coyle. Hey, everyone. Hey, Corbin's here, guys. Corbin's in the house. We have a special <laughs> guest who I'm excited to introduce sitting next to me, our first in-person guest. I know, Corbin, so exciting. I know, so yes. excited about it. So sitting next to me is Gay Alberts Ruby. She has worked in radio, TV, communications for FEMA. She's a wife, a grandmother, and most important of all, she is my mother. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Gay Alberts Ruby. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Delighted to be here. Oh my gosh. So she's a she's been a communications coach. How was my intro? Your intro was perfect. Oh. <laughs> Could be louder. Could be louder. <laughs> but of course, th this is your mother speaking. Yes, of course. <laughs> so it's going to be a lot of gratitude <clears throat> and support and things like that. Um, so I'm very excited to have my, my mom here. Uh, I thought it'd be really neat to kind of talk about her and her career and what she's done. And because they're in from out of town, uh, I thought we just, uh, you know, we kind of jump, jump right in. Well, can I, yeah. can I just stop right here? Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> and, and tell you about, this was a FEMA experience okay. that happened in Indianapolis and Indianapolis had tornadoes and I was deployed there and I was put on the morning show which is big, mm -hmm. you know, you want to be on the morning, sh the morning commute show or mm -hmm. the afternoon commute show. And so I was given the time I was ready to do the interview. And the person introduced me, like you just did, but didn't introduce me, they must have introduced someone from the for the that was supposed oh, to be on the no. next day. <laughs> oh, or, no. And I'm thinking, okay, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Because obviously, I want to communicate my message, I don't want to embarrass the person. Mm -hmm. But we're live. Okay, so what I did, knowing because I've been behind the scenes too on the radio, I just started talking and I said, well, that sounds like a very interesting guest, but actually I am a Albert Ruby. I work for FEMA. I am here in Indianapolis to talk about, and I talked for about three minutes and I could just see the guy on the other end, scrambling his papers, looking around. I gave him as much time as I could to get organized, get calm. And then when he came back, he said, oh, sorry, I gave you that, you know, wrong introduction that's for tomorrow and then we did the interview so i guess that's just an example of when you're a communicator yeah. you have to put yourself in the headspace of the other person you're communicating with mm -hmm. i know that i know this is maybe not how you wanted to start the interview <laughs> no no this but, is great but, but just as you interviewed me i i just flashed back to that kind of stressful but also <laughs> yeah. challenging opportunity to redirect yeah. and give the other side some time to gain you know to save face mm -hmm. well what 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 i started thinking about um is that you were supporting that other person you were taking care of that other person mm -hmm. right and i think that's something that's you know a lot of the times we, we we do focus a lot on on acting in the creative arts and things like that but when you are you know acting with someone you want your partner to support you and you want to support them and then you want them to trust you and so if they make a mistake you know, you don't want to feel, you don't want to feel like you're on an Island all by yourself. And what you were doing there is you were kind of taking care of that other person, mm -hmm. you know, which is such a, a, a wonderful thing when you're, you know, Corbin, like I'm sure you felt when you're acting in a scene with someone and you feel that other, your partner there, yeah. when a mistake happens and you're supporting each other, you're like, that's okay. We're going to get through it together. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I, I remember when I first started improvising, if a scene was going poorly, and this was being very green and not very good. It's like, I want to like slowly back off that stage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And just like, but then the other person just left them there all, you can't do that. You, know, yeah, you yeah. gotta stay up there. And it was a terrible feeling. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like, let's say you feel like you're bombing or whatever, but the idea is, you know, you're going to get through it. And, and I think, you know, that's, it's interesting. You, you told that story because I feel like one of your biggest traits um, uh, and strengths is that you, you care about other people and you're very in tune mm -hmm. with that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think, I mean, I really do. I think yeah. it's a really great thing to, to, you know, to have. I think even in our world, like listening obviously seems very important. And you, you clearly, I think you both actually listen very well, which is probably a very familial thing, uh, which is, it's part of the acting. What made me flash too is that play I was in recently. And uh, one person messed up a line and then I messed up. We were all over the map and it was very important for me to say this one part that was really random if I started to say it. And kind of what you're, what you're just saying, Gay, it's just like, 
I have to kind of correct you a little bit. And I'm we're in this together and it's okay. Like we just have to figure it out. And I have to listen very intuitively <laughs> to make sure it's working right. Um, but yeah, I just maybe flash back to that panic, but it's okay. It's like kind of a fun little panic, you know? <laughs> it is, it is. And you get through it and you you, you know you will. Uh, uh, two things I want to say. One is this is a different setup since, since my mom is here. And so just so people, if you're watching, Corbin's face is actually over here and the camera's here. So if you see our eyes going back and forth, I just want people to know that's what's happening. That's, that's me over there. <laughs> that's, that's Corbin. We're like, yeah, we're still figuring out the setup. Um, the second thing is, Corbin, with what you said, one of the things I was thinking about that is um, one of the reasons I really also wanted my mom on is uh, one of the things she said, and I, it sti sticks with me still, is she said, you know, I was telling her something and she said, well, do you want me to listen or do you want me to give advice? And I think that's such a, like a wonderful thing, especially for a parent to say, I know we have a lot of, you know, parents out there that are, that are artists and actors and, you know, other careers, but I don't know, that's always stuck with me. That idea of like, you know, do you want me to listen? Do you want to give advice? Cause I feel like people, especially parents, especially friends, we're real quick to give advice. You know what I mean? <laughs> like sure. that's what we go to. And so sometimes we're not totally listening. We're like thinking of, okay, what's the answer? What's the solution? Which sometimes that's helpful, but sometimes, you know, uh, we just need someone to listen and mm -hmm. the, you know, we don't really need a quick solution. Mm -hmm. I that think way? that's really true. Yeah. It, that kind of brings me back to an early story with you, John, which you may not even remember. Uh oh, here we go. It's not, it's, it's, I don't <laughs> no. know if it's listening or if yeah. it's differentiating that you are not the same as that other person. Mm -hmm. And the story is that you took a Suzuki violin mm -hmm. when you were young. One of the things we required, we have two children, John has a younger sister, was music. We required them to do something in music every year. It could be an instrument, it could be singing, uh, choral, but it had they had to do music because we felt so strongly that that was important. Anyway, so you were taking Suzuki violin and we went to a group lesson once and you were the only one in the group, you were three, I think, three or four, you were the only one in the group who refused to play with the group and my first reaction because i'm human <laughs> was to get angry to get frustrated to feel like what's wrong and then as I was, as i was walking you to the car i realized i'm not you at all you know you are your own separate person and you have you had the right to refuse to do that mm -hmm. and at that moment when you were only three i i that was a, a aha moment for mm -hmm. me to realize that my ego, my success in life is not dependent on how you act. Mm. We're separate people. Mm. And I don't know if that's exactly related to listening, but I feel like th that's when I learned to let you be you and not base any of my self-esteem on how you chose mm. to act in the world. Hmm. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. No, <laughs> no, but I, that's a really interesting story. And I, I, that's a really insightful thing that I, I'm just kind of thinking about, you know, now I have, you know, a five-year-old son and I, I feel like I'm, I'm very, you know, affected by his, his choices in a sense, you know, and it is, it is, it's not, it's not that it's a, it's a, it's a, dis, it's not a disconnect, but it's allowing that independence. Mm -hmm. And exactly. I think that's, that's what you're saying. That's a really kind of, um, you know, that can be challenging because we see it as a reflection of ourselves, you know, especially Absolutely. if you're parenting or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I think that like kind of letting go of that, you know, it can be, can be hard, but it, it does make sense. Well, I think it's also true in adult to adult relationships. I think sometimes if you have a, say you have a partner and you're trying to navigate that relationship, sometimes the partner will do something that embarrasses you or appalls you. Um, and, but that partner is not you mm. and you don't have to control that behavior. Now, certainly you may want to have a conversation. You may need some counseling, but I think it's, I think there's so many problems in the world that would, could be solved by taking care of yourself. And so I think that goes back to, I do remember, you know, when someone wants to talk to me about something, no matter who it is, um, I will always ask, do you just want me to hear you out? Or are you looking for advice? I think so many people are so quick to try to give advice. And that's usually not what people want. Mm -hmm. it, it really isn't. Uh, or maybe they do. But, and then they'll tell you, yes, I really need some brainstorm with me. Mm -hmm. you know, And then it's appropriate. Well, I, I was also just thinking about in relationships with what you said. Um, 
it's funny because my my dad and my mom are very much opposites, mm-hmm. uh, Corbin, which is really funny. My dad's much more of an introvert. My mom is much more of an extrovert. Mm-hmm. And, and Annie, my wife and I are very much like that. Like we're kind of opposites. But what I've started to say is complementary versus opposites. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's an interesting thing because you can kind of approach things from different directions. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And I think that's that's an interesting uh, uh, thing. Corbin, as Los Angeles is Los Angeles's most eligible bachelor. Uh, uh, yes, what, go on. What, 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 have, <laughs> what have you experienced with uh, like relationships or, or you know, kind of, kind of that world? Yeah, I think I think Gay was kind of hitting on the head when it comes to well, one, I think in general, yeah, opposites can it, it can be attractive, right? Like you kind of want to find somebody who is. What I've noticed is that it's the thing that brings you to that person, but you can easily resent that about them because you don't have that as well. And so there's a bit of you want to kind of, as Gay was saying communicate it like you, have, you don't have to do it in a way that you're wrong i'm right you're an individual and those are the things that i love about you and this is stuff that is good or bad um but that depends on like how far the relationship has gone like all the things that are part of it and uh that's my understanding of you know being the eligible bachelor that i am <laughs> like <laughs> w- what the whole sphere is it's just like at first you're like oh you're intriguing because you're blonde but then later you're like i don't really like blondes <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know so it's like it's kind of like a, a you know catch-22 i guess but that's the interesting part of you know well, I was thinking, you know, one of the things that, 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 that Annie and I realize is that she's really great at planning for the moment and I'm really great at enjoying the moment. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things, you know, as, as far as for artists, I have found for myself, um, I do really well with partnerships when I, when I work with other people. And, and part of that is, you know, I, I'm thinking of, um, you know, I, I, I produced a, a feature film called Solver available on Amazon Prime. And, um, <laughs> And we're working on that. My, my producing partner, Jack, he, we're very similar in certain ways, but in other ways we're very different. And he is like a freight train and getting stuff done. And mm-hmm. I so needed that. I needed those like kind of like side barriers mm-hmm. and it, it, you know, we complement each other really well. So, you know, his skills kind of complement, complemented my skills in, in different areas. And I think, you know, whether that's an, an artistic partnership, uh, which I think are great because sometimes, you know, we can, f- we can feel kind of solo in our careers and having, you know, whether it's one person or multiple people, but having that other person that's like, you know, we got to get this done by Friday when you're like, well, do we have a deadline or not? Mm-hmm. That can really, that, that other person, you know, can help, you know, set those things for you, set those kind of boundaries uh, to help, help pushing forward, especially when you're not at your best, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or when you're not feeling energized. I, well, that brings back another FEMA story. Obviously, FEMA mm-hmm. was a big part of my life. Could you just tell what FEMA is for people that may uh, not know? FEMA is the Federal Emergency Management Agency, and uh, FEMA is responsible for responding to disasters uh, throughout the United States. Um, it's under the Department of Homeland Security. Oh. And I first started working for them in 2001, and my third deployment was 9-11. And that's what I'd like to talk about a little bit based on what you just said. Um, One of the mantras that I live by is give what you have. It might be greater than you think. Mm -hmm. And that can refer to maybe you're a baker and you like to bake things. And, you know, you might think, oh, well, everyone knows how to bake. That's not that hard. But if you bring baked goods at the right time to the right person or the right group, they'll be so happy. (laughs) Or or maybe you're a good listener or maybe... um, Maybe you know how to draw, or maybe you can cut hair. You know, there's just so many things that you have mm-hmm. that you think are easy, but someone else would really appreciate. Well, let me tell the story. So when we got to New York after 9-11, we got there three days after the towers fell. The, the city of New York took over that disaster and responded. And, and usually FEMA, as a federal agency, and the state run a large disaster like that. But because the city of New York is so huge, has so many resources, we were loaned to the city to help them mm-hmm. respond to the disaster. Mm-hmm. But everyone in the city knew someone who had either died or had been affected mm-hmm. very, very strongly by the, the towers falling. So they were working slowly. If you've ever been in a traumatic, if you've ever had a trauma in your life, you know, you go to work and everything, you go slowly. You can't work at full speed because you're traumatized. Mm -hmm. So those of us who came from the outside, sure, we were slightly traumatized because it was a national disaster, but we weren't personally affected. Mm -hmm. So we were able to step in, organize, which is one of the things I love to do, um, create some 
products that New York needed and help those who needed help the most. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of responding to, you know, when someone's not doing well, when someone's weak, when someone's ill, when someone's having a mental health crisis, you need someone stronger to help you. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to do that. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's an important thing. I think that really is. And, mm -hmm. and I was just thinking about you know, one of the things in, in my acting class I do enjoy doing is, you know, I, I like hearing some feedback from um, my students to the other students. And I think it's really interesting because a lot of times we do, let's say we look to the teacher or we look to, you know, but, but sometimes it's like peer to peer, you know what I mean? And it, and that, mm -hmm. that can mean so much. And so with what you're saying, I, I love that, you know, kind of give what you have. It could be more, you know, than, than you imagine. There is something really wonderful, you know, about um, those little gestures Mm -hmm. You know, that, 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 you know, maybe it's, it's, you know, it's a bit of that, that thoughtfulness or that, that just, you know, the little gesture can, can mean a lot, sure. you know? Sure. Or, so this is a funny story. I hope you don't mind if I talk a little bit more about 9-11. <laughs> no, it was no, such a big part of my yeah, deployment. Yeah. Um, so you might think it was all serious and it was of course, very serious and it was a terrible disaster, but there were light times. And one of the times was we had a Red Cross table uh, that served lunch every day. And every day they had different volunteers serving lunch. And one day I went over and the first woman who served me, you know, the, the protein, I looked at her, she had no makeup on. She was drop dead gorgeous. Went to the second person for the vegetables, another drop dead gorgeous woman, no makeup. I just went down the line and every single woman on this Red Cross line was beautiful. And I went back to where I was working and I told some of the guys, all oh, the women are gorgeous who are serving at the Red Cross lunch today. So they went over and one of them came back and said, are you crazy? Didn't you recognize her? That's Heidi Klum and her supermodel <laughs> friend. And I went, oh my goodness. And so they had volunteered that day. I know. So then wow. all the men were going over and getting pictures. So I know it's totally off the subject. Yeah. But my point is that even within um, crisis times yeah. or serious times, you know, there are moments of levity and, and yeah. Uh, you know, when you can have a, have a smile. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Some of the guys were going back for fourth serving. So like, you've had enough, sir. I'm so full. So full. Must money. flirt with Heidi. Glue. Must flirt. Break out the German. Do I speak any German? What do I do here? Yeah. I was, been there, John. yeah. I was just in, I was just in New York a couple of weeks ago and I went to the nine 11 Memorial and it was, oh. it was so beautiful. Like it brought me to tears. I was, I was, I didn't, I was fortunate not to know anybody who had gone, was a part of that disaster at all. Like, I didn't know I would feel the ways that I did, but it was, it was so thoughtfully done. I was just, I was blown away by it. And if anybody's ever had a chance to go there, I fully recommend it. It's like, it's such a, like the, the waterfall, it's just like the sound, the visuals, the, the names etched in like there. And it's like, so it's, I think it's like iron and it just feels, it just feels so raw and so New York and it's such a beautiful, beautiful spot. Um, yeah. 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 Definitely a great, you know, um, I haven't been there yet, Corbin, but I, I would like to go the next mm -hmm. time I'm in, I'm in New York. Uh, I want to I want to transition a little bit, Mimi. One of the things I'm interested in, we you, you were a communications coach. And mm -hmm. I'm curious just because um, one of the things, you know, when when dealing with acting or artists is, you know, telling a story and communicating. And I'm just curious, um, you know, kind of your experience doing that and, and how you worked with people and, you know, either building confidence in talking or, mm -hmm. you know, anything that that comes to your mind in that in that world. Well, it depends what you're trying to communicate. Mm. I mean, in general, I feel that if you are trying to give a message, you need to know how that message is going to benefit the receiver. So I always think about that. Mm. Um, so it, it, mm. what, tell me what kind of, give me a scenario and then I can, then I can. Well, with what you just said there, it's interesting because one of the things, especially with like acting we do is if you're trying to get someone you're acting with to do something, you'll try different tactics. So, you know, that can be, you can be flirty, you can get angry, mm -hmm. you can apply pressure. And even if you have kind of the same sentences, you know, there's a different way to say, you know, I love you, or, you know, I love you, or, you know, I love you. You know, there's different ways to kind of manipulate that. And I think, you know, what's interesting is a lot of times with, with acting too, we're trying to kind of I guess I would say communicate kind of the subtext or the emotion. Mm -hmm. So we are definitely communicating a message, um, which may or may not be in line with, with, with the words, but we're trying to get someone to feel something. Mm -hmm. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? We're trying to affect them. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, wouldn't you say 
part of like communicating when they leave, whatever it is that they leave with a feeling or something, you know what I mean? Like, how would you, yeah. I think you need to be silent before you can communicate. And what I mean by that is if you're, if you're going to be an actor or if you are going into a acting situation, I think you need to factor in some time to be silent, close your eyes, to visualize, to get into the emotions and access any life experiences you've had. If you, and if you haven't had the life experience, do some reading, talk to someone who has had a similar life experience to the character that you're going to try to communicate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what I would do, do you, although I, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, although I'm not an actor, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's what I would say from a communi- no, communication aspect. What about you, Corbin? No, I feel that's, that's true. Like I, um, this shirt that I'm in right now, I'm like, I took moments to like kind of step away and like kind of get into the mental space that it needed to be. Um, and I guess I was curious when it comes to communication as it relates to acting too, like, uh, do you do a lot of like body language work? Like, or is it just purely how you're feeling is kind of what comes across or how do you teach people who are maybe more shy than others to communicate and like how to showcase that in a, uh, conducive way rather than, you know, because people get body languages, you know, what is it like 75% of our communication or something crazy. So just curious your thoughts on that. Absolutely. I think it's important to find someone with a video camera, especially Mm -hmm. if you're going to be doing something, um, you know, well, an act, any acting audition or um, any, any acting at at all, I think you need to, well, here I am using my hands, (laughs) but you, you want to look at yourself. You want to see if your shoulders are squinched up. You want to see if your arms are, if you're holding yourself tight, you Mm -hmm. want to see how your hands look and you may have to consciously do exercises to relax Mm -hmm. your shoulders. And this is all part of acting. Um, And I, so I think working with someone who has a video camera who can give you this kind of feedback is vitally important. Uh, Body language is extremely important and you can control it. You can control it. Sometimes when I would be working with people who would be going, maybe they were going to do a television interview and we would videotape them and they would be quite surprised how many times they said, "Mm, mm, Mm. mm." you know, maybe they had some, uh, Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's very unconscious, subconscious or whatever the word is unconscious and you need to see it and hear it. And then you need a trusted person to point those things out to you. You need to also, if you're the person teaching that person, you need to give them confidence because to be themselves. So maybe there will be some us, you know, if, especially if it's just a speech, maybe yeah. not for your acting, but you know, mm-hmm. um, you don't want to change that person. So you want that the person's essence to come out, but you also need to finesse it. Well, they don't want to feel constricted. I mean, exactly. that's one of the things I really, you know, whether you're giving a speech or acting, you know, I'm, I'm a big preacher of, of, of freedom, you know, so you feel a freedom in there. And yep. so part of it, and sometimes, you know, when you say, well, you're using your hands a lot, then the person feels like they can't use their hands and then they're kind of not themselves. And mm-hmm. so it is kind of having an awareness, maybe if it's too much, why are you laughing? No, I was just doing this, just holding my hands up. <laughs> yeah, uh, what do I do? <laughs> what do I do with my hands? So I love that. Uh, Talladega Nights. Um, and so I, and I think it is kind of finding that, that balance. And that is an interesting thing too, with what you're saying, Mimi, you know, um, uh, I'm a big proponent of, you know, doing stuff on camera and, and you know, for a long time, acting was kind of taught more in, in a theater sense, you know, mm-hmm. scene study. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, there's a lot of value in that too, but being on camera, it lets you know kind of what's going on, even if it can be, you know, challenging sometimes to, to watch back. Mm-hmm. I wanted to also just, you know, with what, with what um, you were saying about uh, that, uh, I just want to talk about one time when I had to act with my own, with my mom here, which is one of my favorite <laughs> stories. So um, as everyone knows, you know, we're in the time of, of self tapes. And so, you know, that can be very challenging. And the biggest thing that everyone is like, how do you get a full body slate? That's so tough now, you know, without showing your whole apartment, yeah. which is a pain in the butt. Um, but, but I was actually on a, on a, on a lovely ski trip with my parents and, uh, uh, and then I got an audition um, for one of those kind of like lifetime Christmas movies. So we had to figure out we're in this kind of like, you know, sweet, uh, you know, hotel room type thing in, 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 um, in Copper Mountain. And uh, I had my mom read with me because I know, you know, she's a good communicator, you know, she's, she'll be good. And then I kind of had my dad kind of running, running the camera. Um, and so the reason she's at, she's laughing is the, the, the very first scene, you know, usually when you have a kind of a non-actor, 
uh, you know, you're not getting too much. Well, with my mom, what's what cracks me up is she's like way like a big giving actor. it her all. <laughs> yeah, she, you know, her line was like, "Really?" And I was like, "Well, that's a big question mark." So I didn't really want to give my mom feedback, but I was like, "Just a little less, you know, just really, like you're really coming at me strong, you know." So she yeah. she took the note, which was good. And then and then the second scene was like I was supposed to like be flirting with someone, and mom's like, "Should I look you in the eyes?" I'm like, "Don't look at me. Like just don't. Like this is just like just look at the paper. You know, read with me." Oh. And then and then the other thing is we didn't have a tripod, so so my dad. Dad had like MacGyvered like a paper cup upside down that he had cut a hole out of. And then the iPhone was in there. And so, and that was like balancing on something. So he would like hit record and then be like, you know, step away. And then I'd be like, dad, is it recording? He's like, I don't know. I think so. I think I, you know, and I'm like, well, let's do a take. And then we'd like, did we get it? You know, oh, I, I missed the button. So, so the reason I tell that first of all, it's funny and I, and I love it cracks me up. But the second thing is I would say, you know, for everyone doing self tapes, it's so challenging. You have to be an expert. You you gotta you really have to be focused because it you know it was it was that self tape actually turned out better than I thought it would, mm -hmm. but it was a real challenge. <laughs> on top of all that, is still the acting and the lines and the relationship and all those other things with what's going on. You know, and I know mm -hmm. people have that. We have life. I think it's undeniable that you know around that frame we have life going on. You know, and and that could be a dog barking. That could be you know, whatever that is. Um, you know, I, I coach some people in New York and like, you know, you hear dump trucks backing up or, you know, police, you know, that's, that's all challenging and it's a good take, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, did you book it? I didn't book it. I wish. I wish. <laughs> and I it. Nailed it. If, if I was retelling the history, I'd be like, and I nailed it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that one I did not. Well, that, that reminds me of something dealing with anxiety mm. because I mm. feel, I think about that a lot with actors because I think being nervous and being anxious probably gets in the way of a lot of it acting. does yeah it's challenging yeah well it gets in a lot of in the way of a lot of things like if you have mm -hmm. a, an important job interview and if you're too nervous and you communicate that during the interview you might not get that job you mm -hmm. know so i did want to talk just a little bit about how to handle anxiety right um i number one i think physical exercise is very important particularly before an audition or um you know an important you know you're going out for an important acting role um for the few days leading up make sure you get whatever physical exercise you like whether it's walking running swimming whatever uh, i think that's extremely important the other thing I think you need to tell yourself or ask yourself is what's the worst thing that can happen if I don't get this job, mm -hmm. you know, and I think you need to think about it as will this be a good fit. And the reason I say that is when I was running my business, I did a lot of communication training for larger companies, some individuals, groups, and I wanted every job, but I knew I would not get very many of them, but I was very nervous before every one. But I would always say to myself, all I'm finding out is, is this the right fit? Is this a good fit for, for them and for me? And I would tell myself, what's the worst thing that can happen? The worst thing that can happen is I'll have some experience. I'll know maybe what not to do if I really blow it, which sometimes I did. Um, and maybe I'll get the job, which would be wonderful. Mm -hmm. So I think the combination of making sure you're taking care of your body and, and not just working out, but, you know, eating the right things, if possible. I know it's tempting. I eat the wrong things most of the time, but, you know, especially if you're, if you, if you have something important coming up, you know, what, you know, what is healthy for your body, eat those things, exercise, tell yourself, um, what's the worst thing that could happen. And, um, are you the right fit? I, I think those things helped me a lot in reducing the anxiety before, I, I was interviewing for these positions and sometimes I got them and sometimes I didn't. I, I'm hoping that might help. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I, I think, you know, the only thing I'd add to that, and I've, I've seen you do this um, and, and, and we should flash a photo later of your notes. She's got a bunch of notes here, which is, you know, is preparation. Mm -hmm. and, and I think with all those things you said, you know, the last thing I'd add is like, you know, I know my mom prepares. And so my point mm -hmm. is you prepare as much as possible. And I've seen you do that. And I think that is something that, you know, obviously makes sense. But I think sometimes we think, oh, I, you know, I've prepared to, you know, a six. And it's like, well, can you prepare to a 10? You know, and I think that's an interesting thing that, you know, some people, if they either they think they've hit their limit, or they prepare as much as possible, and, and there might be more there. Mm -hmm. And I think that that preparation can really help when you have anxiety, because you've either done it enough times, or you've tried it in different situations, mm -hmm. um, you know, that it, 
that it it doesn't throw you when either maybe something goes wrong or something new kind of happens, you've, you've got enough mm-hmm. momentum mm-hmm. from your preparation mm-hmm. and, and, you know, not having that. Yeah. Well, I have another tip. I've, lo- I've lived a long time, so <laughs> I have all these tips. You asked for advice, so you're getting it. This is right. <laughs> and that is, let's say you have a huge paper due or a huge audition or something that you need to start work on, but it just seems intimidating. And you really don't want to start on it Mm -hmm. because once you've started on it, it makes it so real. Mm -hmm. What I've done is I take a kitchen timer and you could use your, your iPhone or, you know, something else. But I, I say, I'm just going to work on this for five minutes. Mm -hmm. And so I set the timer for five minutes and I, I do something, you know, towards that goal and not always, but sometimes after you've done it for five minutes, that'll extend to 10 and that'll mm-hmm. extend to 15. And then you stop when you need to. And then the next time you, you start thinking, oh, I should be doing something on that. But you know, it seems like such a huge thing. Set another timer for five minutes. And that has really helped me in preparation. Um, I think it's also okay if you are a procrastinator and some of us are, it's also okay to procrastinate because maybe you do your best work. You, you need to know how much time you actually need though. Right. So say you need three <clears throat> hours, you need to, okay, I'm going to procrastinate. I'm not going to do this until it's due Saturday. I'm going to do it Friday, but you've got to block out those, you know, maybe five hours to do three hours of work. It's okay to procrastinate if mm-hmm. that's when you can get your best work done. If, mm-hmm. if under being under the gun is what helps you, I think that's okay too. Maybe that's controversial, but uh, our first controversy. Ooh. I like it. Maybe she's throwing it down. I don't know, Cor- Corbin. How do you? Yeah, any pre- thoughts on that? Yeah, prepare. Yeah, I I over prepare too. I do exactly what you do. Like I'll take notes and kind of like go in. I, I think uh, it depends on what it is. I, I'm learning more and more that there are two schools of thought when it comes to uh, either your positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement. Like whatever, like kind of pushes you in, into uh, doing the thing. I think negative reinforcement would be procrastination. It's like I'm gonna get fired or something. But that doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. It's just like you have to know that about yourself and like what works mm-hmm. or doesn't work. Um, and I definitely fall into that camp. So I need to find ways to trick my brain that this is really important. If it's like a if it's a side job or something, like a like a little project on the side, I'll convince myself, oh, I got time. You have forever to do it. But really, you want to do it this week, which then causes anxiety and continues to like stress you out because exactly as you're saying, if you're not doing something towards it, you start thinking about it all the time. And if you just do five minutes, it's going to turn into 10 minutes easy. And then also you're 10 minutes further. And that's great. Yep. How about you, John, for preparation? You know, um, I, man, I probably have all those problems. You listed. <laughs> I am a procrastinator. I need a deadline. <laughs> Um, I don't want to start the five minutes, all of those things. I mean, I think what, 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 one of my big realizations and, you know, um, is, is I am definitely what I will call a term, a starter. I love starting so many things. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, and, and I know there's people like that where it's like, Oh, I want to start this thing. And so then I start that. And then I'm like, Oh, I want to start. Like I mentioned like 18 different topics for, for podcasts and stuff to Corbin. Corbin's like, you know, let's just stick to this one without saying, you know, and, 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 and so, and so I think being a starter, what's great is I have the energy, the positivity, you know, I, I will take the steps, but, um, what I have found is when I complete projects, that's when I really feel good. That's when there's really value. That's when I'm like, Oh, you know, it's not just accomplishing something, but it's like, um, it, it, it enhances things. So what's interesting for, for, for me, at least in this world is I'm just thinking, you know, and for, and for other people completing the project is part of it. And, you know, one of the things that it's funny, I was just talking about last night is, you know, I, I don't know the exact quote, but it's like, you know, uh, uh, perfection is the enemy of the good or something. And sometimes it's like, you know, uh, I don't know if I exactly have that problem, but I do know people are like, well, it needs to be the right time and it needs to be the right thing. And that is one thing that I'm really not concerned about the right time or, you know, everything I need, you know, everything needs to be all set before I can do this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes I'm like, let's just get the ball rolling and then see what happens. And then we can always kind of, kind of adjust. Um, yeah. and, and I think that is definitely, uh, an advantage in the sense that, or, or, or skill, because it's like, well, you know, if you wait so long, wait so long, it's amazing how much time goes by, you know? And, and that's an interesting thing too, that especially with like actors, sometimes I'll talk to actors and they haven't acted in like six months or a yeah. year, you know, and, and they, they, they want to be acting and maybe they're doing the business side or maybe life is busy or they're working. But I think there's something, you know, there's this book, um, 
Atomic Habits that I that I that I haven't started reading, but I get emails from the guy who wrote it. He's got some great stuff about how to kind of set up, you know, daily habits. And I think that's another thing. We're talking about those five minutes. I think you know these small segments can add up, mm-hmm. and you do need sometimes you do need like three or four or five hours on stuff. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but but getting yourself in like a a routine that works for the stuff you want to do, no matter what you know, level that's at, Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. You know, if you're, if you want to be, you know, doing plays and you're working on plays every day, or you want to be doing improv, or you want to be practicing on camera, I think that's, you know, um, that's where for myself, I stay really busy with that stuff, the stuff Mm -hmm. I want to be doing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that has kind of helped build on itself versus getting in a different world. And Mm -hmm. then, oh man, I'm, you know, I'm working my butt off uh, in this direction and it's not feeding mm-hmm. those other things, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I think what you're bringing up is attention. What you give attention to is what your true values are. Hmm. So if you are spending 10 hours a day on social media, that's what you're giving attention to. Mm-hmm. And while I know that's very tempting, I love social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do spend, I think more than time than I should, but if that's all I'm doing, I'm not making money, you know, I, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I, I, I need to rethink what I'm paying attention to. Mm-hmm. And because what you pay attention to is, is who you are. Mm-hmm. And um, if you have a job or if you have an audition and you find yourself not preparing for it, maybe it doesn't mean as much to you as you think it does. Mm-hmm. Maybe that isn't what you sh- you're supposed to be doing. And someone like you, John, who likes to complete a task, I think you need to know what type of person you are. I'm someone like that too. I like to finish tasks. So I spent decades in working for radio and television stations when those, those entities still had some integrity. I don't feel they really do anymore. But every day at the end of the day, I had completed my work. And for my personality, that was good. Someone else could could do something like be a researcher and they're they're spending years trying to Mm. cure cancer and that might suit them. But you need to know, are you a long-term project person or or do you like to complete things day by day or week by week? And maybe, you know, you need to examine, am I doing the thing that really feeds my personality or that my personality and my you know, ego and is this feeding me? Well, yeah, I think that's so true. And I, I just thought kind of a mind shift is when you, when you said that about completing the task, I, um, and I think I said I was more of a starter of tasks and, and completer, but, 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 but what I'd say is what I'd say is, um, uh, you know, I also, for a long time, I think I thrived under like being a worker bee. Mm. So I really liked like classes. I like that structure. I like when I'm working for someone else and they're telling, and now that I'm more of an entrepreneur, more doing things on my own, that's a different mindset, mm-hmm. you know? So that's a different, and, and that can be challenging when you, you know, it makes sense to like, okay, these things have been assigned or these things I've been told to do. And I think that's a really important thing. It's like taking ownership. Mm-hmm. So at one point you're kind of giving away ownership and you're like, okay, you know, I'll meet your standards. I'll do it for you. You know, it's gotta be done. And then the other thing is now you're taking ownership and that can be starting your own business. That can be acting. That can be a lot of different things. And that's a different parameter, you know, mm-hmm. that's then it's kind of on you. And I think that's been something that's been a bit of a mind change that I'm trying to embrace more and more. And I, I really give, um, you know, uh, credit to people that, that, that are doing that and doing that well, mm-hmm. because I think that's, that's kind of a thing where it used to be, well, you go nine to five job, 40 hours a week. And that's models kind of shifting, you know, mm-hmm. people are still doing that, but, but there's also opportunities to, you know, create your own thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, even within that nine to five, the people are creative in those in two hours of that, you know, like you're trying to ramp up to those four hours to be like, you still have to be there. You still have to prepare and be ready for that creativity or whatever that is, whether you work in like accounting or whatever, you know, like if you're yeah. finding out the perfect opportunity to do this thing, it's never going to come unless you're there, but you also have to be willing to just let it happen you can't just like squeeze it and be like come on be creative you know um mm-hmm. but it is it's hard it's such a balance uh i mean yeah the, well the this book i'm just reading called um uh, i wasn't know what it called like is it set for life i should take a look but one of the things corbin with what you just said he talks about in that book is um uh, you know how luck can kind of play a role but putting your yourself in a position to get lucky yes and I think, you know, Mimi, with what you're saying, oh, and I call her Mimi sometimes, that's what my son calls her. Um, uh, uh, Mimi, with what you're saying is, is if you're watching, you know, 10 hours of social media, it's hard to get lucky in a sense. Mm. Whereas if you're, you know, I'm interested in real estate or acting and you're kind of, you know, going to a meetup.com or whatever those things are, 
you're kind of getting yourself in a position to maybe meet someone mm -hmm. to, you know, find someone you connect with who then has an agent for, you know, so I think it's like, you know, luck, we can't really control, but putting yourself in positions mm -hmm. for things to kind of happen. I think that's something that uh, not that people forget, but that can be, you know, kind of challenging to set up, step outside your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. But then once you do that, you realize, oh, this could, this has, this has some value. You know, I think with all this positivity, I think this is a good time to seg like segment to our favorite or one of the two favorites, brag yes. time. Brag time. <laughs> brag time. Brag time. This is the time for you to brag about something you've done in your life, Gay, and I want you to just have the floor to be able to talk about something that's very important to you because we oftentimes don't get the opportunity to do that. Oh, okay. Well, I know this is going to sound corny, but giving birth to my two children mm. is what I'm proudest of. And I think there are a lot of parents out there who no matter what kind of career they had, um, they may say the same thing. And uh, our children have turned out very differently. Uh, John, as he says, is an entrepreneur and an actor. Our other child is a radiologist and mm. a medical doctor. Uh, they both took their, their own paths. So uh, I think parenting, um, it's very, it was very challenging, very, very challenging. I think it's one of the hardest jobs that you'll ever do in your life. Um, but I think that's what I'm the proudest of. Amazing. Yeah. That was John, John plays a radiologist. <laughs> I play, oh my gosh. It's so funny. You know, there was, there was a show called, I think it was like the grinder, which was where Rob Lowe plays a lawyer and Fred Savage is his brother who is a real lawyer in real yeah. life. And before that show came out, my sister and I were talking about, you know, one person plays a doctor. The other is a doctor, you know, I, I don't know if it was called, we were calling a doctor, doctor. We had like an idea for a show. And then that one came out with lawyers, but um, it does definitely, that's definitely true. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is, um, it is, uh, well, that was, that was lovely. Well, and I have another thing to, to, I guess, brag about. And that is that, um, when I was 22, I married a young man who was 27 and it's been almost 49 years and we're still married. And anyone who's been married knows that any relationship is difficult, but marriage is, can be particularly difficult at times. As my husband said, we had 45 great years and three, eh, so-so, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm very proud of, so I guess in summary, um, I'm, and, and I have some wonderful friends for me, relationships have always been the most important thing in life. And now that I'm older, I'm looking at the studies, what makes you happy as you get into your seventies and eighties, I'm early into my seventies is relationships and, and, and savoring and, uh, caring for those relationships is important. Mm. I also acknowledge I've had a lot of privilege in my life. I've had white privilege. Um, I've had enough finances. I've never gone hungry. Um, and I acknowledge that and trying to give back in, in any ways that I can, because I'm so grateful for uh, my life. Mm. I, I did just want to touch on that because I think that's one thing you installed in me and, and, and Janine is, you know, kind of volunteering and, and, and charity. Could you just talk, because I remember when you and my dad used to go to Parents Place, could you just kind of say what, what you helped out with there and, and you know, when you, because you helped well, out there a long time. Yeah, I always wanted to, I, I took some time off to raise children, but even while raising children, I was always, I had my finger in, you know, some kind of communication. So sometimes it was paid, my husband, luckily my husband was working the whole time. Um, and I would either be working a communication job, radio, television, newspaper, FEMA, or I would be volunteering at an agency. And one of the proudest uh, jobs that I did was up in Seattle. When we lived there, um, I worked for Big Sisters of Puget Sound, which mm -hmm. is now Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Seattle. I think they've, mm -hmm. they've since merged, but um, loved working, helping create uh, mentorships and strongly support that organization. Parents Place, it was fun because uh, my dad played Santa Claus. I play the accordion, so I got to play the accordion. <laughs> I forgot you that. came as an elf, John. I, I forgot. That. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, that, that, was, that was lots of fun. But that was a place for women who, who need a safe place to go, um, right? Actually, That's that was the, the women's center. Oh, women's center. Okay. Yeah, and I worked there yes. as an employee in their shelter 
and um, but also did a lot of volunteer work for them in communication. Yeah. Uh, communication for me, that was what I majored in in college, and it was the perfect major for me. And um, because there was so much flexibility and we moved several times in the late seventies and early eighties to different communities. So in one community, I worked in television and the next community I worked in radio and the next community I worked in something else. And um, I think I was an early gig economy person, <laughs> you know, where, you know, you, you, you have to be flexible and creative, loved moving. I always felt moving gives you an opportunity to reinvent yourself. And I would encourage any of you who are, you know, nervous about moving and thinking, oh, I just love everything about this. If the opportunity comes up, you could always go back, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. True. and I, and I feel that, um, I feel like I have a PhD in geography or something mm -hmm. because we lived in California, we lived in Washington state. Um, and, uh, I think moving is, is a very eye-opening and, uh, soul enriching experience. Yeah. I think that's great. And I just, you know, just, just quickly jumping back to the volunteering thing, you know, one of the places I helped out, you know, in Los Angeles is called the midnight mission, you know, where they give, they give meals, uh, um, you know, to homeless people and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And I tried, you know, with the pandemic, I stopped doing that, but, but I think trying to find something that, you know, you, you can volunteer with, if you have the time, you know, stuff like that, I think is a really important, you know, wonderful thing. So I, you know, thank you for, for, you know, instilling that. In, in myself and stuff. Um, well, on that note, we want to take our, uh, our a commercial break and we'll be right back. If you're interested in learning more about acting or studying with John Ruby, me, uh, please check out johnruby.com. There's more information about classes on the website. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. He's all right, I guess. I mean, you know, he teaches, he does some stuff. It's fine. <laughs> and that's my best testimonial. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Still excited about this guest, my mom, and all the way from Wisconsin. Uh, mom, something I want to talk to you about is I've always had strong female women in my life. Uh, my mother, my sister, my wife. Uh, just wondered if you wanted to kind of talk about being a female when you were, you know, in radio and TV, you know, now back in the day, you know, kind of uh, your impressions mm -hmm. of that. Okay, great. Um, well, when I was in high school, there were no women's sports or very few women's sports. Mm. So that dates me. I was a teenager <laughs> in the 60s. Um, so, but when I graduated in 1972, I really wasn't, I was pretty innocent. I really wasn't aware that there was as much sexism as there was. So I went for an interview with my communication arts degree to an advertising agency. And I don't even know why the gentleman asked me for the interview because halfway through, he just looked at me and said, are you dating? And I said, oh yes, I'm engaged. And he said, well, why don't you stay home and have babies? Oh, jeez. And wow. that was the end of the interview. And I wow. remember leaving and just thinking, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, yeah, that was crazy. And then later on in my career, I mean, there were several incidences that I don't really want to relay on the radio, but, yeah. or, you know, on the podcast. But um, one that I remember very well, I was the first woman that was ever hired at KVON, KVYN in Napa, California. And the owner at the time, I think he hired me because his daughter was coming up. She was a little bit younger than me and mm -hmm. she wanted to get into broadcasting. And I think he wanted to see how, what a, how a woman could work. So I, I took a weekend shift so um, Jay could watch you and mm -hmm. your sister. And I worked and the very first weekend I worked, he called me after the, I did news, weather and sports on both stations. One was live, one was recorded. And he called me and he said, who wrote your sports? Is your husband there? <laughs> and I said, I can, I was 30 at the time. I can write sports, you yeah. know, and sports was very simple. It was, you know, <laughs> the scores and, you know, anyone who's quitting or whatever. And so the next weekend I did it, you know, I did the, the, the newscast again. And again, the owner called me and said, who's in there writing sports for you? Girls don't know sports. That's what he said to me. Oh my <laughs> Girls gosh. don't know sports. I know that's how far broadcasting has come, you know, mm. and now there are women anchors and yeah. um, I'm sure there's still a sexism in many industries just because that's the nature of our, you know, of life. Yeah. But those were two that, that really stood out for me. I feel like um, in subsequent jobs, I've tried to do things where my work spoke for itself. Mm -hmm. And um, currently I'm a wedding officiant and uh, I find couples who 
want um, usually a non-religious ceremony, although I have done religious ceremonies as well. And but they want something a little bit different. They want it personal. They want uh, me to tell their story. They want a little levity. And uh, I've really, really enjoyed marrying couples. That's mm. been fun. Yeah, and and I, I want to talk a little more about officiating. I just wanted to touch on what you said. I think one of the wonderful things about the entertainment business that I've noticed since I've been out in in Hollywood and stuff is that there's you know many more female directors, mm, yes, and, um, you know, writers. And, and I think that's a really, you know, great, great thing, you know, um, kind of behind the camera too, you know, and so, and in front of the camera. So I think it, you know, uh, you were, you were one of the, the pioneers really yeah, I mean, it's so stuff cool. like that. Right. You know, I mean, that, that's, uh, there's a, there's a famous story too, Corbin, at least in my family where, um, uh, at last tango in Paris, my mom was like screaming at the movie theater screen because like the woman gets naked, but Brando doesn't. She's like, <laughs> why is that? You know, and my dad's just like sinking in his seat, but she was like, that's not fair. You know, yeah, so that's true. he was on the forefront of, of it you know, yeah, back, yeah. back in the day. Wanting um, Brando naked. the forefront. Yeah. Come on. You know, why can't we see him naked? Why are the women always getting naked? So I was like, oh, yeah. that's true, uh, true. and now I see way too much man, butt on shows. I'm like, can we tone down the man, butts? a lot of man, butt now, like I, I understand yeah. let's equal it, but now you like wouldn't get paid day. to do man butt. Yeah. No. Uh, well, I also embarrassed him at his own movie, but he probably won't tell you about that one. Oh my! No, that story we won't tell. No, that story is too too. That's that's too hot for that's too okay. hot for the podcast. Um, I gotta know. Yes. After the podcast, After you get the podcast, to know. Corbin. We get to know yeah, a little bit more is, details. That oh, is. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm debating on whether I want this story out there. Um, so, okay. I guess I'll tell it. So, 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 so yes. there is, there is a, there's an independent film I did. And in the film uh, we premiered right outside Times Square at an AMC movie theater. And uh, my parents met me there. They flew out. We all flew out. It was so, it was great having this premiere and my mom sitting to my right, my dad sitting to my left. And in the, in the movie there, I have a, like a sex scene with my wife. And it's kind of like, an, like, it's pretty intense sex scene. And it's like one of those things, you know, when you're like watching a movie and your parents watch it, and it's of course, it's like, like right during the sex yeah, scene, yeah. you know what I mean? And you <laughs> yeah, feel yeah. just like yeah. fast forward. Like, you- <laughs> yeah, but I was in it. So that was embarrassing <laughs> so enough. They're like, I'm there. Yeah, it's so much worse. <laughs> and then my mom leans over and, and I'm like, oh God, this is going to get worse. And she goes, this is, this is, this is like the wittiest my mom's ever been. And she goes, just like his father. And I go, <laughs> no, no, Scarred no, and I just, I, first of all, I was oh. dying laughing, but also I was like scarred. Oh. And I was like, that was the funniest. That's I think it was the funniest so thing my funny. mom's ever said. And we still laugh. That was years oh. ago. Yeah. Just like as well. I was I, like, no. I had to say it. No. Yeah, oh, didn't. She didn't have well, to. No, what she was, didn't have. What to. was happening? It was. It was very uncomfortable yes. for a mother, you know. Yeah. And so the, the the discomfort was building, and I had have some had kind to. of yeah. release. <laughs> so that's what I said. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I can't. I can't believe it, but I think that's the best thing I've ever heard. It was a classic. I, I could only imagine if my mom said that to me while it's happening. Yeah, that was the thing. The scene wasn't over either. I'm like, oh god, I just need to leave. I need sorry, to get out John. Of it. It this was, is a public apology. I'm was, sorry. Well, yeah. apology not accepted. Not apology denied. Denied. What, what, um, did, what did your dad? Was your dad just silent the whole time? I don't yeah, remember. I think yeah. he was again. He was yeah. thinking like this. Yeah, yeah he was real low. Mm. I think he was. Just, he was. He's yeah. used to me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my this is classic. <laughs> that was so funny. So that was yeah. I guess we shared that story. So, um, oh my gosh, that was great though. Um, that was so funny. But I did. I did want to jump back to what you said about um, uh, being an efficient mm -hmm. and uh, uh, and it's called Circle of Life. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I have actually a, a cute story to tell. Yeah. Well, actually two cute stories. Um, there was a, and, and they both involved children. Mm -hmm. So one of them, we, I had not married the couple yet. And this little boy who was the nephew of the couple getting married asked his mother who was standing right next to me, you know, what does it mean to get married? He was only five. He didn't really know. And she said, well, that means you've, you've met someone that you love and you're going to live with them for the rest of your life. And the little five-year-old looked at both of us and said, that's rough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, out of the mouth of babes, right? Yeah. <laughs> so good. That was, that was funny. 
And then there was a couple that I married. Um, the, the, the wife, the woman had two children, a boy and a girl who were 11 and nine. And the, the, um, the groom had three boys you know, early teens. Uh, and we got together for the rehearsal. And actually, they were getting the kids ready to go to the rehearsal. And the, the, the bride told her little girl, you're going to meet the officiant. Her name is Gay Ruby. And she's going to marry us. And the little girl said, you're all getting married? <laughs> and she thought the three of us were getting married. <laughs> she misunderstood yeah. when her mom said she's going to marry us. Yeah. So yeah. She was Who's just this new lady. I know. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Ma? Yeah. <laughs> Who do I call you? No. That's funny. So yeah, it's 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 really fun. I, I haven't had any um I don't have any horror stories. You know, yeah. I'm so well prepared. <laughs> I yes. prepare myself very well. And I always have a backup person in case, you know, like an understudy in case I can't do the, the ceremony. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the ceremonies create their own drama. I, there was one couple where um, the groom and the bride were 40 minutes late mm -hmm. and um, everything seemed to be okay. And then I just turned to the best man because the best man's main duty usually is to have the rings. And so I just turned to him and said, now you have the rings, don't you? And he got this stricken look on his face and he ran to the car, wow. <laughs> so, but he actually get, got back before, they, were before there. they got there. So, but it was like, literally we could see them coming, you yeah. know, so he had, he was running to get back in time, but, um, I love it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a very happy time in people's lives. And like I said, you, you never know what the kids are going to say. No, <laughs> so, no. so, so having different careers in, in, in yeah. FEMA and being an efficient and communication coach, what do you, would you have any advice for people either starting a new career or, mm -hmm. you know, landing somewhere new, you know, you said you've, you've, you've moved, you know, what, what advice would you give people? Well, uh, let me just say one thing. And I think it's, it'll answer your question. When I was in college, I was really lost, particularly in my first two years. And I remember looking for a book that would tell me how to live life. Mm. And I always thought, oh, if I could find the book that tells me how to live life, mm. then I'll have it. And I remember when we moved, we started moving and it was hard. I loved it. But, you know, I was moving with two little kids and I look again, I looked for a book, you know, uh, is there a book that tells you how to move with kids? Well, I couldn't find one. And I realized after decades that there really is no book for telling to tell you how to live your life mm -hmm. you just have to live it and if you if you like writing you could write the book <laughs> that's not out there but um i think you have to uh keep looking and the reason i say keep looking is i didn't find my soul's work until i was 51 and when I found FEMA, that was what I was born to do, but I didn't know it until I found it. And I think, I think sometimes people aren't quite, you know, happy with their lives at certain points. And they think, you know, how do I find what I'm supposed to be doing? And I guess my only advice would be keep trying things, keep mm -hmm. taking risks, keep, um, keep your, your mind and your heart open. Um, another story that's kind of a funny story is um, when I say take risks, I'll give you an example. I was, uh, we were members of the Unitarian Universalist Church and a woman came up to me once and she said to me, her name is Marion. She said, Gay, Anne and I would like to sing. We like to sing magicals and we've heard you singing in church and we think you should be part of our group because my mom is gay and they have a dog named Ruby and your name is gay Ruby. <laughs> and I looked at her and I yeah, thought, what? this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so I just looked at her and I said, let me think about it. And I went home and I thought, I'm going to do that because mm. it's such a great story. I like singing. I don't know Marion or Anne, but I'm going to try it, you know? Mm. And well, like, again, what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, the worst thing that could happen is I don't enjoy it. You know, I don't like the commitment and I'll back out. Guess what? We've been singing together off and on for 18 years. That's amazing. You know, so, you yeah, know, keep your heart and, and, and open um, and keep taking risks and don't give up. Mm -hmm. I, I was talking to somebody the other day about like, kind of what you're talking about, like the meaning of life. Like what is, what is the purpose? What is all that stuff? And it just ends up being like 
are you happy? Like, you know, like it's really not that complex. I mean, there's obviously it's complicated because you can't be happy all the time or do whatever you want all the time. But you, you think it's like, oh, if I achieve this job or if I achieve this thing or if I live in this place or whatever it is. But no, it's like, are you happy? Are you coming back every, every year for those 18 years to sing with these people? Like, that's amazing. Like, you just keep taking risks and keep trying new things because why not? There's no reason not to. Totally. That's and, a really good car, Corbin. I like that. Yeah. I think, I think that's great. And I think it also depends where you are in your life. Cause I'm just thinking, you know, I worked in casting for a long time and also an actor. And then I, I was teaching a little bit, I was teaching like a commercial acting class and it was a, it was a lot of work to get students and things like that. And it just kind of didn't happen. So it kind of fizzled. And then eight years later, when I was asked to teach again, it was like the right time in my life. Mm. And with what you're talking about, kind of finding, you know, your purpose, that's one thing I feel with teaching is like, oh, this is just added so much to my world and to my life. And just, I just, I just love it so much. And it's funny because it's also something I tried like eight years earlier and it didn't have the same resonance, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that's an interesting thing too, where it's like, you, you have to be in the right place yourself. And with what you're saying, Corbin, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, for, for me, like, or, or for other people, it's like, you need to have certain things established and then you can kind of get to that next level or whatever that thing is. But I think being open to it, it's mm -hmm. like, you know, you wouldn't have sang with them for, for 18 years if you hadn't thought, well, let's, let's, let's try this, mm -hmm. you know? And, mm -hmm. and when I initially was asked to teach again, I said, no. And then, you know, uh, then I was asked again, I was like, okay, you know, and I, so I think it's also interesting where, where it can come from, yep. you know? Yeah. Well, and then I, I think another thing besides, you know, keep trying is, forgiveness. I think forgiveness is so important in relationships. And when I say, okay, we've been married almost 49 years, there have been times when one of us has had to forgive the other one and move on. And I'll give you a funny example. I like to use funny examples. So we had been married maybe 10 years and Jake had always played tennis and I never had. And so I asked him to teach me. And so he tried to teach me, but he was quite impatient. You know, he really wasn't, um, very patient with me as we, as he was trying to teach me. And I realized this is not working. So I pulled him aside and I said, Jake, I want you to pretend this is our first date and you're trying to get into my pants. <laughs> how would you, we'll just, we'll just we'll like his father. This is the sex podcast, why? Yes. What do how, how would you teach me? And he thought about it and guess what? He taught me in a very gentle, sweet, flirtatious way. Mm. You know, and that's a very small example, but I think there are many occasions with a friend, with a partner, you know, with anyone that you're in relationship with, we're, we're, we're all human beings. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to say something that is hurtful. We're going to do something that's insensitive and we need to practice, at least try, try to practice forgiveness. Some things are almost unforgivable. I will acknowledge that, but for the things that can be forgiven, I always say forgive and start over, start over. <laughs> mm, yep. Love that. Um, Corbin, did you have anything on your list? I was thinking we could get to um, uh, maybe favorite books or. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. Let's, great. let's start going there. Yeah. Mimi, do you okay. have some, some books you could, you could recommend yeah, on well, your, on your written down notes? <laughs> of course I have so many books. I love books. I have always have many, yes. many books at my book stand. I think that, it part, there are part, there are times in your life when you won't have time to read books. And I will totally acknowledge that because I've been in those times of my life mm -hmm. right now. I can read books. Um, a couple books that affected me greatly were bird by bird by mm -hmm. Anne Lamott. If you like writing, if you're interested in writing, I highly recommend bird by bird. Um, also, she also wrote another book called operating instructions, which is, uh, a, a tale of, her, the first year of her child's life. So if you're a, a parent and you, mm. and you have a child who's one or two, or you're going to have a child, either of those books, well, the, the bird by bird for writing and the operating instructions for having children. Um, a book I'm reading right now that I uh, am really, is really resonating with me. is called The Sum of Us, What Racism Costs Everyone and How We Can Prosper Together. Mm. It's by Heather McGee. And it talks about um, how racism affects everyone. Mm -hmm. not just minority people mm -hmm. love it great great those are all those are great yeah, we haven't had great. those as suggestions and and i love it i i, I as soon as you said you love reading it, it <laughs> i was like well that's where i got my love of reading from i think you know you you and dad you and dad both read a lot and, and i i've always been a been a passionate voracious reader so um 
That's great. It's hard but, to find time though, don't you think? When you have when well, you have- it's funny. Then we go back to what I talked about with starting, which is I love. I'm a big fan of libraries, so I know people order books on Amazon, but I'm just a fan of the library. I think, you know, you can get it there and you can read it. You can always buy the book, which I think is also great. Um, but I'll go to the library and come back with like ten books, and Annie's like, "Are you going to read all those books?" <laughs> like, "Yep." And then I never do, but I get so excited. Yeah. I'm like a kid in a candy store that, like, I mean, this sounds interesting. This sounds interesting. You know, mm-hmm. this, like, you know. Uh, um, I could, I could learn how to make neon signs. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that would be cool. And then I, you know, I, I don't get to, but, but I think the, you know, I will read one of the 10, but the, the, what you're talking about, kind of that love of, of opening up to another world and seeing what's there, you know, that's definitely something that has always kind of, I think, excited me about acting. You're going in different worlds and then also mm-hmm. starting a book where it's like, it's, it's taking you, you're learning something new. It's taking you somewhere. I love that. Yeah. That's so great. Well, I think we're on to the last segment here, which is going to be Gay's favorite segment. <laughs> oh, no. What so, is it? What is it? It's called Your Best Bad your, Acting. Your I'm Best Bad s- Acting. I'm going to send something in the chat that's going to be yes. a quote from Marlon Brando. Who okay. he, speaking of Brando. Oh, speaking boy. of Brando, on the waterfront. Tell, tell me if you can read this. In the, oh, yeah. You know what? I have it written here. I, I actually typed it out here. So maybe that might help. So I, you want me to be a bad actor? So you, no, can, you just read it however oh. you feel. Oh, okay. take your time. We're going to give you an action. Can you read it there? Yeah. So have fun with it, though. You can do you can yeah. do a Brando impression. You can do your Gosh. own. Impre- yes. Okay. So. This is not most unlikely as I can imagine. That's why we grabbed it. Okay. Y- you don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody instead of a bum, which is what I am. That's <laughs> okay, so good. Okay, good. Oh. Wait, wait, we might we might give you a direction. So hold on yeah, to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this I love what's that. I love Corbin liked that. it. Yeah, Corbin liked oh it. yeah. True. But yeah, I, I have I have notes. All right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Go 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 first, Corbin. I, I want to hear you. your best Heidi Klum impression. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, this is good. You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody instead of a bum, which is what I am. Brandy. Whoa! The breathy so was so, so good. Brandy. So Brandy. I don't know how to do a German accent because no, I know she's that, German, but sorry. That was perfect. No, that was. <laughs> I don't even know if I could do that. Like that was amazing. Now, now can I do my brain? Yeah, oh wow! Wow! You, you don't understand. I could have been a contender. Could have been somebody instead of a bum, which is what I am. You just, you just hide oh. it. Oh, John! Oh, so my mic drop for the Brando impression. I was gonna clap. I was gonna oh clap my for my son. And we dropped the mic. That's where I get wait, my enthusiasm. Wait, I think. Wait, you, know. you just hiding this Brando impression from me? What's the deal? You know, since it's in there somewhere. <laughs> every every show has got to happen. You don't allow me, you don't allow me to do best bad acting. Corbin, yeah, yeah, Corbin yeah. doesn't allow it. So, <laughs> so it would uh, only be Brando the whole time. Was, then I have to be Brando the whole the whole time. Um, well, oh. this was great. This was what a fun way to end too. Um, uh, uh, gay Alberts Ruby, AKA my mom. We want to thank you so, so much for being a guest on the moving spotlight podcast. This was wonderful. Our, our very first in-person, uh, guest, even if this comes out in a different order, but you are our very first (laughs) in-person guest. Corbin and I are so grateful that you're here and that you were, you know, um, willing to do this and some wonderful insight, you know, not just about acting and storytelling and communicating, but also just, just about life. You know, I, I can attest my mom is a very, uh, happy, fulfilled, you know, loving person. And so she, you know, she kind of is the person she talks about. And so it's, it's so wonderful to have her here and, and be able to share, yeah, you know, great. you, um, with everyone. So thank you. For I being love here. you, John. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I can't say it, but I love Carmen. you too. <laughs> Good to nice meet you. you yeah. It's great meeting you. Thank you for coming. All right. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the moving spotlight. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Moving Spotlight Podcast. Please rate and review us on your podcast app of choice and recommend us to a friend. And we're on YouTube, so please like and subscribe there as well. And uh, it helps other people find us. So please do that and like, subscribe, get hit all the buttons and the bells, do all the things. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Moving Spotlight Podcast.